Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Ryan, your host for the Prolific Writer Podcast, where we are committed, dedicated, on an all out pursuit of writing fast, writing often, writing well, and glad you found us. However you found us. And, uh, I am really privileged and honored to have a, another guest here today on the episode, Mike Duran. And Mike is a great guy. We've gotten to know each other over the last year or so and has a, has a great story. Uh, actually used to be a pastor and now he's at writing fiction and, uh, very, uh, prolific, even though he says he's not, but he is, he's written quite a few books. I think he has eight books out in the last four years or so and, uh, writes horror suspense, got some, uh, urban fantasy coming out wrote a book on Christian horror, a nonfiction book, which is great. Um, and we, we talk about the, the writing craft, um, and being prolific, but we, we, we also talk about, uh, knowing yourself, uh, knowing how you're wired, knowing your season of life, uh, knowing what you're good at, what you're not good at. And, and that's really a, a vital component in being prolific and writing, uh, fast writing, often writing well is, is to really say, okay, where do I, um, where am I in my season of life? Do I have small children in the house? Um, uh, am I young? Am I old? How's my health? And, and Mike talks a little bit about that. He, he talks about some, some physical, uh, challenges he's had, uh, and how that's affected his writing and just how he has a really good perspective on that and doesn't beat himself up over that. But you just have to know yourself, know what you're good at, know what you're not good at. Uh, we also talk about, uh, the process of writing and there's so much advice out there. And I, you know, I I'm obviously doing a podcast and sharing advice and experiences, but one of the things I'd want to say too, is, is that there isn't one way to write. There isn't one formula. I think there's principles we can learn. I think we can learn from each other. We can learn from others and take what we, what we can, but we also have to know ourselves and know what we're good at and know our style and, and know 
how we think. And, you know, some people write with huge outlines and some don't, and, and it's just not a bad thing. Uh, it's just who we are. Some write in the morning, some write at night, some write during the lunch hour, um, whatever it may be. And so, so knowing yourself is such a key part of being prolific. And so we talk a lot about that. So I, I hope you really enjoy uh, this interview with Mike Duran and you can check out Mike's stuff at Mike Duran.com. And I'll, I'll put all the information in the show notes. All his books are there, social media, you can connect with him and, uh, and keep, keep looking out for Mike. He's, he shares a lot of good things. He does a lot of conferences and workshops and has a lot of good wisdom to share about the writing life and the writing craft. And so really was thankful to have him on. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Mike Duran. kind of Christian, I don't know, uh, novels that were crime or political thrillers and stuff. And they always just were a little bit cheesy. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, someone always has to come to Jesus and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting, interesting world. I mean, that's why I appreciate you. Uh, a lot of the things you talk about is kind of living in that you live in these kind of different worlds, you know, Christian uh, fiction, but also, you know, I mean, not non-Christian, but, but, you know, different worldview and, and, you know, self, self-published, traditionally published. Um, so yeah, you, I think you have a unique voice and as far as writing goes and, and all those different markets and you've kind of seen the good, bad and the ugly. So, um, so yeah, yeah. so, so thanks for, uh, for coming on the show and, okay, great. and, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I know you said that, you know, you're not prolific, but, um, but I think, you know, depending on how you define that, I think, you know, you, you've written, if I'm not mistaken, you've written eight books, um, in the last four or five years or so, um, novels, novelettes, um, wrote a great nonfiction book too, uh, Christian horror, which is a great read. I, I highly recommend, um, but you've been really involved in the, the writing community, um, obviously different, uh, communities, Christian communities, non-Christian communities, different conferences, you've done workshops, you've done all kinds of stuff. Um, so I think you have a, just a unique perspective. Um, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on too was, um, is, um, you also work a full-time job. And so obviously even working a full-time job, you're still able to, you know, pump out blog posts and books and novels and novelettes and novellas and everything else. So, um, I think that's kind of, uh, what I think a lot of people are looking for too, is, is just that, how do we, how do we live our lives? Cause most people, you know, aren't full-time writers, but, um, you know, you have a wife and, and kids and a job and, and yet you still are able to produce a lot of work. And so I want to talk a little bit about that too. So. Sounds good. So thanks for coming on, Mike. You're welcome. So tell me, uh, tell me right now, what are you working on right this moment? Um, as far as writing projects, I know you just came out with a novella. Um, you can tell us a little bit about that, but anything else you got in the hopper right now? Well, I finished, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I finished um, my <clears throat> second book in my uh, urban fantasy series this summer, and uh, rather than just jumping right into the third book, I really needed to, you know, I was pretty gassed. I had, um, you know, I, I taught at a, um, the Realm Makers uh, writing conference this summer, <clears throat> And I taught two workshops, and uh, I was just beat. 
you know, I was really drained and stuff. So I really wanted to kind of take a break from jumping right back into my urban fantasy, although I have had pretty much fun writing that. Um, and I wanted to do something different. Uh, I had toyed with the idea of uh, gathering up some of the notes that I used at my conference to discuss um, uh, speculative fiction uh, and and uh, Christian theology, <clears throat> or a theology of speculative fiction was the title of my workshop there. So I initially started at the end of summer to kind of start to drag some notes together for that. That's similar to how I wrote uh, Christian horror, because Christian horror was based off of kind of this ongoing discussion. I had several blog posts. I'd, I'd written a number of things on that. And so when I finally got down to writing Christian horror, it, I really just pulled a bunch of threads together of stuff that I'd written. I had thought about doing that with the speculative, uh, the theology, a theology of speculative fiction, but I really found out I was just way too burned out, probably more burned out than I thought I was. Mm. And so I wanted to do something that was different and that would give me a little bit of a break before jumping into the urban fantasy again. And so that's when I wrote my my newest one, which is technically a, a novelette. It's right about 10,000 words. <clears throat> and I'm calling it a Southern Gothic horror. But it contains, you know, what I'm calling a gothic, it's a gothic mermaid story. Mm -hmm. And I just, it's an idea that I had toyed with for years and years and years. And I figured as a way of a break, I would go ahead and work on that story, which I did. And so to answer your question, um, right now I'm um, just beginning to dig into replotting and starting to hammer out the third book of my urban fantasy series. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting idea. Uh, I think sometimes when we talk about, you know, we want to create more work, we want to do different projects is kind of gauging our energy level and our excitement over the project. Um, I remember a couple years ago, I, I was writing, I wrote a, a nonfiction book. And um, for whatever reason, it didn't take me that long to write, write it. But by the time I had actually had it edited and just format and everything else. I just was so tired. Um, you know, you're kind of tired of looking at it. You're tired of editing it. You're tired, you know, you just want to kind of put it away. And I remember it was a lot of months actually where I just, I was just not motivated at all. Um, and even though I had a lot of ideas in my head, but, um, but yeah, talk, talk a little bit about that. How do you decide, um, kind of what, what you're going to write next? Um, and I know sometimes if you're, you know, you have a traditional published, um, you know, contract, you know, they're forcing you, or I shouldn't say forcing you, but you, you know, you have to write something by a certain deadline. Um, mm -hmm. but, but what, what's kind of your thought process in that, you know, I mean, cause you write in different kind of subgenres, you know, urban fantasy, horror, things like that. But, you know, how do you say, you know, this urban fantasy is really what I want to write right now, or, you know, this, this third book in the series or this horror, you know, short story. I mean, what's kind of your process in that? Uh, I, you know what, I, <clears throat> I'm kind of a uh, ADHD personality in general, where I get into subjects and I have a hard time focusing unless I'm really interested in things. And so I tend to uh, kind of pattern my life with a whole bunch of different elements around them. You know, what I mean, I mm -hmm. obviously I have a routine and patterns and stuff, but 
even my office, like I've really tried to make my office just eclectic. So there's actually different things in it. There's different types of books. There's different types of models. There's different type of paintings or pictures or uh, oddities. Uh, to me, that just gets me off to have diversity in what I do. And so um, I don't know. I just find for me that sometimes I'll get on a subject and um, – that it will, you know, really pique my interest more than another. Mm-hmm. And um, I found this especially true with uh, not just reading, but writing nonfiction. Well, you know, I had written fiction, but uh, I had never published a nonfiction other than my blog posts and a couple of essays that were published and, and purchased and stuff like that. But I found that breaking up, for me personally, Ryan, this breaking up, the fiction and the nonfiction was a great way to kind of stave off boredom, you know, mm-hmm. living in a fictional world for so long, you know, and th- that's the way I read as well, where I, right now I'm reading two nonfiction books. And the reason I'm reading them is because I've been writing so much fiction. And so for me, I'm not sure, to answer your question, I'm not sure how or when I know it's time it's just that for me as a person, I feel like I need to, you know, be constantly um, thinking about different things, looking at different things. Um, I, don't, I hate the feeling of being rooted in one place forever, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff. So in a way, that's <clears throat> one of the things I brought to my the Urban Fantasy series. I'm trying to write each book as a standalone book with kind of a progressive arc. A character arc to them, mm-hmm. but writing them as standalone books gives me the chance to um, focus on one subject for an intense period of time and then know that I reach the end and break with it. And so that's kind of the, you know, how do I know it's time? I don't always, you know, I, sometimes I need to start writing something to realize, you know, I just don't have the, I just don't have the fuel in the tank to complete this. I need to do something else. So mm-hmm. maybe a lot of it is the know thyself kind mm-hmm. of adage, you know, where you kind of, you know, just really need to know what, you know, what your best time of writing is, how long you need to write, uh, when, you know, what season you're in, what mm-hmm. season of life you're in, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. And that's been a really huge, huge issue for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear, I hear you saying there, there's, uh, there is something – that creativity that you can't really, how do you say, you can't really articulate what it is, but you know, the way you said your office is set up and the things that inspire you and the books that you read, I think all of those things are really fuel for creativity. Um, I'm, I'm very, um, I mean, to use the word anal about (laughs) the way my office is set up. I've, you know, home office and I have another office and, you know, I'm very particular where, where things are, what I, what I visually see as I'm working, um, what kind of music I listen to. I mean, even depending on what I'm writing, I mean, I, I always have a soundtrack, you know, that kind of fits the mood or the vibe. Um, I know, and then I know some people don't use music, but, but I think all of those things are kind of fuel. Um, like you said, you know, what time of day, knowing the season of life. I mean, you just have to be kind of honest about yourself. I know everyone says, well, you got to get up at four 30 in the morning and write. And I, I'm just, I don't do that. I, I'm not, um, I get up early cause I have a young, a, a young family, but, um, but my best writing is actually when everybody's uh, asleep and quiet in the evening. And I just have some moments to kind of think and, and enjoy that. And I've always kind of been that way. 
Um, yeah. But that's just me. You know, I wouldn't say everyone has to do that. Um, and, you know, some people say, well, the first thing in the morning, you're, you're freshest. And you are. But but I get a second wind for whatever reason in the evening. And that's just kind of my my time. But um, I, I don't know that everybody is freshest in the morning. You know, I think yeah. that's actually one of the one of the reasons why I struggle with the writing experts and how this this idea that you need to you need to log at least two K words a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to do this and, you, you know, stylistically, you want to do that. And then there's methods for how to plot or, right. you know, what better this or that. And so we've kind of developed this uh, culture where, um, you know, this is how you write. If you want to be a professional writer, if you want to crank out stuff, this is how you need to do it. Yep. Yep. And I, that stuff grates against me. It's part of, probably because, you know, uh, Part of me is just a rebel, and I hate to yeah. be told yeah. what to do. But it also, I don't think, respects the fact that people are different. We're creatively yeah. different, stipulated yeah. diff- stipula- differently. The uh, our our lives are different. Our schedule are different. Like mm-hmm. when I really sat down to think about it, Ryan, <clears throat> I definitely am crisp, idea writing, energy wise in the mornings, mm-hmm. and then probably after about nine, ten-ish in the afternoon, I really hit this 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 dull spell, you know, and then probably about, I don't know, you know, what, why this is, but probably later in the afternoon, like two, three or so, I really get this rush where I'm able to write again Mm -hmm. and kind of recognizing this, I've tried to do some of my patterns, some of my schedule around this. So where I'll write in the morning and then at the afternoon, if I'm free, I'll do things like you know, to do some marketing stuff, maybe get online and do a little bit of stuff on social media mm-hmm. or do whatever. And then probably like two or three or so, I'll try to sneak in another hour of writing again. So mm-hmm. it's just a weird thing that's peculiar to me, but it's also one of those things I don't think writers appreciate enough that we have this whole uh, glut of ideas and suggestions about how we should write. And there really is this element that we've taken out of the equation and that's us, you know, Mm -hmm. our own temperament, our own schedule, the seasons of life we're in and things like that, which I'm really a big proponent of. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's wonderful. I, you know, I I think too, that, that when you do know yourself, uh, you actually can be more prolific because you are kind of creating in that sweet spot. Um, because you could, if you, if I know some will say, well, you just got to put your butt in the chair and, um, you know, just do it. And, and there, there's some truth to that. Obviously, if you have a deadline, you know, if you're waiting for the muse to come, sometimes the muse doesn't come. Um, but you got to get those words out. But, um, but when you're, when you know, kind of, you know, if it's the evening, or like you said, the afternoon or, or first thing, um, you're going to actually be more productive in those, those shorter periods of time than maybe three hours of just kind of like, you know, exhaustion and those kinds of things. Um, I know some people will say that, but I found that to be very true. Is that an hour of prime time writing, I can produce probably three times what I would in, at other times, you know, um, where I'm half asleep or, you know, whatever. Uh, and, and so, yeah, knowing yourself is, is so big. And, yeah, I, I would just say to anyone, you know, listening, I hear you saying it too, is just be aware of, you know, the the – you know, the workshops, the, the stuff online. I mean, everybody, you know, this is how you do it. This is the only way you can do it. Um, well, let me ask you this, cause this is kind of a, along those same lines is, um, you know, are you a, a plotter or are you a pantser? I'm totally a plotter. Okay. I really don't. I don't, uh, I've always equated it to like, you know, leaving the house. When I leave the house, I don't just 
you know, pull out of the garage and say, now where am I going to go for the day? I actually <laughs> have an idea about where I'm going to go. Now I might take some different routes to get to the location, but uh, I pretty much want to know where I'm going before I leave the house. And uh, <clears throat> to me, I don't, uh, I can't write a story unless I have a general destination. Obviously, mm -hmm. the you know, the path to get there, the route that I take to get there is going to be different. But for me, I need to know where I'm going. Like, for instance, one of the things that's uh, hung me up on this uh, novel, the next Reagan Moon novel I'm working on, um, is I haven't, I wasn't sure where I wanted to go with it. And after just really months of just thinking about it, really not a lot of plotting, just thinking about what I wanted this story to be, where I wanted it to end up, um, I have finally felt free to start just dumping on it. Hmm. And again, that's just me, but I don't understand how people can just start writing and then kind of ad lib as they go. That drives me crazy. Personally, uh, I, on most of the books that I write or most of the stories I write, I know how they're going to end. Mm -hmm. And I won't start the book or the story until I know how it's going to end. That doesn't mean that it, things don't change along the way. There doesn't mean that there aren't tweaks along the way. But I'll tell you right now, I have the final climactic scene for book three, which is I really ha haven't even you know got going yet. On, I have the climactic scene of book three crystallized in my brain already, and now I know I'm ready to go because I have that scene. You know, mm -hmm. so it's just kind of a weird, you know, a, a weird thing. I don't, I don't like, uh, you know, I just don't like to sit down with a with a, a pen, pen and paper, and say, okay, now what am I going to write? Mm -hmm. I need to know where I'm going. So that's just me. So have you have you ever tried? Uh not plotting at all or just kind of gone, gone in cold with just a vague idea and just seen where it gone. Have you ever uh, experienced that? Uh, I, I think probably the idea of a vague idea, I have gone in with a vague idea and I think going in with the idea that there's going to be a uh, roadblocks to your destination. There's mm -hmm. going to be called the sacks. There's going to be, things that you encounter along the road that you hadn't planned. I think having flexibility is actually the important thing. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times that I've gone into a story knowing where it's going to go, but then along the way I've thought, hey, this would be great too, and this would be great too and stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, it's not straight straight up you know, pantsing mm -hmm. or ad-libbing, but it is kind of uh, keeping your uh, – you know, approach flexible enough that it's you're not dogmatic about how you need to get to your end or even the exact end. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I think there's obviously got to be some flexibility to the story or we're going to miss a lot of things that are potentially available in that story. So mm -hmm. we do need to be, you know, super flexible for sure, man. So do you, do you like when you sit down, uh, we're going to get down into like nitty gritty stuff. You sit down. Do you do you ever have chapter one? This is going to happen. Chapter two. This is going to happen. Or do you have just a character? You know, a couple ideas to see where they go. I mean, you talked about having the last scene actually written out. Um, does that stifle creativity? So tell us a little bit about you know 
I imagine I already kind of probably know the answer, but with different books, you probably had a different process. But I mean, how, how detailed do you actually go with your, your outlining or your plotting? Uh, the the plotting to me is real big. I feel like, uh, in fact, I just recently, uh, Ryan, I got like a year or two ago, I, I finally got the Scrivener. Oh, yeah, I love Scrivener. Yeah, see, I'm still, I'm still not on board as far as being a fan, but one of the things I really <laughs> like – well, I've had. I felt the learning curve with Scribner yeah, was a lot. It is was, was a lot bigger than I was led to believe. Yeah, it is. It is. But uh, you know what feature I really like with Scribner is there. Um, you know where you could get like the little index cards. Yes. And it's like uh, the template is like a cork board, and you could get the index cards. Now I love that because that's actually the way I've plotted a lot of my books, where I'll just get a uh, you know a cork board, and I'll start like putting post-its on it and interchanging the post-its. And so uh, that's one thing I really love about that because that's how I think when, you know, I do plot. It's like we need to have this scene, then we need to go to this scene. Then we, so I do definitely, th you know, think in, in scenes. The, the problem is, and this is where I kind of learned from being a pastor and assembling, <laughs> mm -hmm. and that's a whole other story, which actually is important to my own personal growth. But, mm -hmm. um, this idea of of giving myself the freedom to you know how how I thought about it, Ryan, when I was in the ministry was that I have an easy chair and that I have a desk, mm -hmm. and two stages of building a sermon for me were this easy chair where I'm just letting like ideas, illustrations, quotes, and things just kind of randomly accumulate. Mm -hmm. Oh, that might fit in this sermon that might fit in this sermon that might fit in this sermon and then i move from the easy chair to the desk mm -hmm. and the desk is where i'm taking all of these loose strands of notes and saying that would work as a great opening this would work as a great follow-up this won't work you know and you so you take it off the plate and things like that and i found that i really do that kind of approach with my writing too where i'm kind of getting all of these index cards in place where i want to see where this happens I want a scene where that happens. Mm -hmm. We need to explain this or that. And then you kind of get to this. It's not really the editorial point. It's more like the assemb you know, where you're kind of storyboarding everything and, 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 and putting it in, in, a, in a systematic or, or a, a logical fashion. And then I you know, begin to move towards you know, taking stuff off the plate. That's not going to work. This is going to work and adding it here or there. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a grueling process, but um, – I've likened it unto like a shotgun. You know, someone asked me what kind of writing technique. Somebody asked me the other day online, do you, do you use the uh, snowflake method writing? Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, like a plotting technique. Yep. And I told him I use the shotgun method, <laughs> which more or less find the direction I want to, you know, find the general target, you know, shoot, mm -hmm. and then see which, which uh, you know, BBs, <laughs> which pellets are closest to the target, uh -huh. and then start to connect them one at a time. You know, uh -huh. so uh -huh. that's the that's my shotgun <laughs> approach. You know, so I kind of got the general idea for my story, aim in that direction, blow a bunch of ideas on it, and see what sticks, and then start to kind of connect the dots. So uh -huh. I'm not sure if that's helpful, but uh -huh. that's kind of the way I work it in my brain. Yeah, it sounds like that that approach is. Uh probably allows you to, to at least, you know, get out a draft more quickly where you're not so inundated with, you know, the, the finest last detail. 
Um, but you're getting out those big ideas. You're kind of, yeah, like you're saying with a shotgun, you're kind of spraying it out there and then just seeing what's working, what's, you know, how this idea connects, this needs to happen. Um, no, I think that's really, I, I, I call it writing thin. Um, I've actually written about this. Um, writing thin for me is, is really, it's almost like a version of outlining, like your first draft. It's just, you're getting all the big ideas out of there. And then you, you start seeing things kind of emerge from the ideas. And then some things need to be cut. Then, you know, you add in color, you add in detail, you know, all that. But, but the whole idea is really just, it's almost like a glorified outline. Um, and then when you come back through, you're kind of editing, changing, cutting, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you realize, wow, there's like a theme emerging here. or There's something it's really cool is happening that I didn't realize was there. And you kind of go another another direction. Um, you, you know, that, that was a big issue for me, Ryan, because I'm such a perfectionist that mm-hmm. it took me years of kind of going through this. And I think it was Anne Lamott who talked about, you know, giving yourself the freedom to have a crappy first draft. Yep, yep. And that was really an, a big issue for me, this idea that I could be free to just get a bunch of junk on the page that's that's crappy. Yep. And that was kind of a, you know, I was having to deal with perfectionism at the time. And, and that really is such a such a good uh, lesson for, for writers to learn, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's like giving yourself permission to just be crappy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to kind of tell yourself that. Um, well, let me let me go back to something you said uh when you're writing, you know, you're outlining, you're, you're plotting, you're, you know, let's say you're writing your urban fantasy. Um, I was just, I, I just heard an interview, uh, Steve Pressfield, Stephen Pressfield, if you've heard of him, probably, um, you know, the war of art and talks about resistance. And anyway, he just wrote this new crime novel called the knowledge, which is really, you would love the book. It's fascinating. It's, he kind of wrote this, this biography about himself, but in novel form. And it's about this aspiring writer and it's really his story but he doesn't he you know it ends up being this crime thriller which is kind of cool um but he was talking about in an interview making sure that you have certain tropes or certain scenes or certain things that that have to happen based on the genre and so one of the things he said in that book was he needed to make sure he had um a a point where the the main uh character got beat up um because it's kind of this crime thriller narwar kind of kind of old school uh uh crime uh, police story. Um, and he said, you know, I gotta have, I gotta have a story where he gets beat up at some point. Um, and w- when you're kind of plotting and outlining, are there certain scenes that you say, you know, it doesn't have to be that specific, but that you say, you know, I need to have this, this thing to happen, um, because of the genre, because of, you know, whatever re- do you have that thought process as you go through your work? Absolutely. But I found that, I found that more true writing in, uh, the uh, urban fantasy genre than anything. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you, you know, are the avid, and it still blows my mind, you know, how avid some readers are. I think it has to do with the ebook, you know, phenomenon. But um, the, um, you know, the how avid some readers are of specific genres. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the gripes I have with like. Uh, you know, paranormal stuff and urban fantasy is, is just really been taken over by, you know, like uh, erotica and stuff. Mm. And so you're finding all these, right. you know, what did they do to my vampires? You know, they <laughs> took my vampires that were once nice, creepy, you know, killing machines. And now they've, you know, 
made them into like uh, you know these GQ bloody GQ creatures. So it's like Twilight, paranormal yeah. romance. I'm gonna somebody's gonna hate on me for this, but paranormal romance has just ruined mm-hmm. <laughs> that, you know my monsters for me. Uh-huh. But anyway, the point is is that those that's one of the biggest, uh, one of the fastest growing, one of the most avid readerships is paranormal romance. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't look at you know, just scroll through Amazon and the speculative fiction titles is like paranormal romance is constantly at the top. And those uh, genres are like that specifically because they have tropes that are repeated over and over and over and over mm-hmm. uh, and stuff. So I know writing the um, my urban fantasy series, I've had to think about that. Not that it's a it's not a paranormal romance. But I had to think in terms of who the general readership is. Mm -hmm. There has to be some kind of romantic elements. In my case, there has to be kind of a hard-boiled, skeptical guy who's, you know, on this arc towards softening and growing and becoming Mm -hmm. more of a a man and stuff like this. And there's got to be, obviously, the monsters and the speculative elements, you know, and then – you have like I have some friends that write, for instance, in the uh, like military military sci-fi genre. Mm-hmm. There's another genre that's just growing huge on Amazon right now, and obviously the person who's coming to that genre is going to uh, expect you know geeks and and gadgets and tech and you know hard hard-boiled technology and things like this. So. I'm not sure how that principle applies in, in general to other genres, but I know there are specific genres where mm-hmm. you most definitely, in order to sell, have to be hitting all the right notes, you know, mm-hmm. to, to kind of get your audience there. So. Mm-hmm. so it sounds like you're saying it's not, you know, you don't have to have like, hey, insert fight scene here, but, but just the more the principle. Um, like even the sci-fi was interesting, you know, a lot of the, what is it, you know, space opera or, you know, marine Sci-fi. I mean, you got to have the kind of old, crusty captain, you know, that's got the ship that's falling apart. You know, I mean, that's such a <laughs> such a uh, sci-fi yeah. sci-fi trope. You know, the 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 ship that's duct taped together, and you got kind of the kind of the clueless crew. You know, um, yeah. I mean, they're all just Star Trek or Star Wars kind of revisited on many levels. You know, but. Um, but you know, so, but so I hear you saying it's it's kind of more the principle behind it, like you said, you know, some kind of romantic element, uh, you know, different monster. I mean, they they can be whatever you want them to be, but it's just the the idea of, you know, kind of keeping it similar. Um, you know, do you uh, you probably follow the like um, self publishing podcast guys a little bit? Um, some, yeah, yeah. And they they just shared a story which I found kind of interesting on, along these lines. Is uh, they wrote a. a zombie book i guess and it was kind of a zombie thriller with kind of a spin to it It had kind of a political uh lawyer kind of feel to it um and they realized that what happened was it it hasn't done very well and it's because they didn't hit the tropes that the pure zombie fan likes Um, (laughs) so they didn't really deal with the zombies that much you didn't really see them that much in the book and you know they didn't break into the house and there wasn't fight scenes with them and stuff like that And, and it they realize like they just wrote this book that wow like zombie fans they they want certain things in their books um and you know and they had thought they had written this you know very creative very clever you know no one's ever done this but people just didn't like it um so it is kind of interesting how we're we're so wired for story and like we want our stories to be a certain way it's like the romantic comedy like they have to end up together at the end or you'll get crucified <laughs> i mean 
and you know those romance books i've heard that too it's like if yeah if, if they don't make it in the end like no they're going to be so mad at you <laughs> it's like um even though it's for, I, formulaic you know i always joke with my wife because my wife is like she like watches the hallmark channel it's like mm-hmm. and the hallmark channel is like these these one hour little romantic things are like just cookie cutter one and they just replace the person or the yep. situation slightly and it's the same yes. thing it's the yes. same thing over and over so last night it's funny because she she said you know we have netflix and stuff mm-hmm. we kind of joke about how we're on in two different worlds as far as the movies we like so when it's like let's go to the movies it's so hard to find a movie that we both could like because right. i'm on one side and she's another so i let her pick the movie last night she says i think this is something you'll like and it turns out it was a two it was a two hour hallmark type of movie you know it was like <laughs> The same yeah. type oh, yeah. of thing, you know. So, and this is just her wheelhouse, you know. Yeah. That's what she. Likes. Yeah, and, and they expect it to go. I mean, yeah, you just take out the characters, put in a different setting. It's the same movie over and over and over again. Um, I mean, when I watch it with my wife, I always joke because I'm just like, "Oh, I wonder what's going to happen next," you know, because you you already know. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think um, yeah, I think that's important when you know going back. We you know when you're storytelling is is just to keep that in in mind too as you're kind of outlining plotting you know are there certain reader expectation um you know i i've heard people talk about experimental you know they call it experimental fiction which basically is no one's going to read it because it's so it's so off the wall it doesn't really hit the hit the the things and and people really like that i mean they they there's a reason why they they you know there's a reason why i like crime novels um i expect certain things right Right. Um, you know, urban fantasy, horror, sci-fi, whatever. Um, there is just kind of this expectation. Um, you know, how do you, you know, these, these expectations, you know, are there, but how do you, you know, when you're, you're kind of going, when I go back to thinking about your outlining and things, how do you, you know, you have the last scene written, does it take you out of that creative side or is it still enjoyable kind of even knowing where you're going to end up? Um, what's your kind of thought process on that? Oh, for me, it's it's more enjoyable. It actually, mm-hmm. it it gives me a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I, I, and again, this is probably unique to me, but I don't like this idea of not exactly knowing where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I feel like I'm growing in confidence as a writer that I could get into a situation with a character that you could probably throw some characters and some uh, a plot and, and some plot at me. Uh, but uh, and then I could probably, you know, write my way out of write my, write my way out of that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. But for me, there's more of a confidence that I gain knowing that, no, this is how the story is going to resolve. It actually gives me a little bit more of a drive, more of a impetus to want to work on the story because I'm not kind of sitting down, scratching my head, saying, "Hmm, now where are we going today?" You see what I'm saying? It's yeah, like, right. no, I know, I know where we're going now. The fun is figuring out maybe necessarily what are going to be the twists and turns along the way. Sure. But but to me, I just I lose energy if I don't know what I'm working on, if I don't know where I'm going, if I don't know the point of my sermon, mm-hmm. how the heck are the people in the congregation going to? You know what I'm saying? So to me, it just it helps to kind of be able to distill everything down and say, no, I am writing about this. We're moving towards this and, and that type of thing. It doesn't drain my uh, creativity at all. Now, I'm sure it could for some. And again, I wouldn't want to say that that's the norm or should be the norm for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, yeah. it's that type of thing. So, but to me, it's it's not a it's not a quench in, sure. in any way. Well, you know, and I think there's a big myth out there. I, I you probably heard Stephen King in interviews. He apparently doesn't outline at all. Um, Lee Child doesn't. There's there's a few others, um, but 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 I think it's a lie in some sense because they always have a character. Um, they have a setting. Uh, you know, they have a what if, you know, what if this happened? What, you know, they don't, they, they, you know, when you hear them talk, it's like, oh, there's just a blank page and I just, you know, whatever pops in my head, I just go. Um, I, I don't think that's true at all. Um, I think, I think everyone does plan and does plot on some level. Again, you don't have, it doesn't have to be super detailed. It, it doesn't have to have, you know, every character, every line, every, you know, where it's going to end up. But, but they do have a little bit of a roadmap. Um, you know, especially I think people that write series, like you already have your characters, uh, you know, usually you have a world, you have a setting. So you're, you've already done the hard work. Uh, it's just a matter of making this narrative arc unique, you know, and, and telling a story a different way or, and, you know, there's a new conflict and there's new, you know, things going on. Um, but I think, you know, we all have to kind of figure that out, what that looks like for us. Um, well, let me, uh, let me transition. Um, just a couple more questions here. Uh, is I'm, I'm always fascinated by people that do churn out a lot of work. Um, you know, you're very involved in the writing community, you know, do a lot of writing, speaking, um, you know, your own books. Um, you, but you also have a full-time job. And so how has that kind of been for you, uh, just as you've begun your writing career and, um, you know, wife, children, um, do you have grandkids now? I think you have grandkids. Dude, I have nine grandkids. Okay, so you have a lot of grandkids, so a full house. Um, and yeah, how how does that look like? Just managing the the output, you know, the creativity, the time. You know, obviously you've you've written some traditionally published books too that have you know deadlines and things. Um, what have you kind of been learning along the way as far as that goes? Um. I, I've, I've learned that I can't get things done as fast as I'd like. Mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, the, um, the kind of the, the, the norm now with a lot of self-published writers is that if you're going to really build a self-published publishing, you know, a self-publishing career or self-publishing your books, an indie publisher, uh, you need to crank out two, three books and novels a year. I mean, you need to be cranking them out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've just had to come to the realization that I'm just not in the station of life to do that, right? I just can't do that. And one of the things I've had to realize is it has to do with my health, too. Mm. And, um, you know, I think deadlines are a good thing. Mm. It, I, had to, I was contracted for a two-book, you know, con, a contract. They were both standalone books. So a publisher bought my first book. Second book was uh, under contract and a deadline. Mm. And... Um, that was the first time I'd ever been under a deadline as a writer. And there was, you know, I was being paid and I mean, there were high stakes involved. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's, that was early in my career. And, uh, something happened to me then that has never happened to me before. And it shocked me. And I had, I began to have, uh, issues with stress. My health was actually being compromised because I was worrying so much mm -hmm. about this book. Getting my because you went they you know what they say about those sophomore sophomore books you know you got to get them done and you got to build on your um, you know momentum from your first book and blah 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 and it's like dude I was just stressing out mm -hmm. and um, 
it was, and I mean, seriously, I was, I, I was, I was having issues, physical issues. I was going to the doctors more. I was having issues. I had to start medication, mm. just uh, stress medication, things like that. So this was a serious issue to me. So um, I've, and I've kind of learned my lesson about that, that my health is actually more important than my writing. Mm. You know, now, Lord willing, maybe when, you know, uh, I retire, I'll have more time to write. Mm -hmm. Maybe something happens and and I get endorsed by, I don't know, Stephen King and I go get famous. I can quit my job tomorrow. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe I can start writing full time then. But until then, I just have to respect the fact that I'm, I'm a slow writer. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to crank out at the level that the, the indie experts tell you to. Mm -hmm. And my health and my family are just more important than my writing, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, so I, like I said, I don't know. Everybody's just in a different station of life. So that's probably that advice is probably going to be different for everybody learning sure. how to learning how to write within your own schedule. You know, right. like I mentioned about writing in the morning and the afternoon is more helpful for me mm -hmm. when I'm at work. You know, I take a tablet with me. I sync with uh, Dropbox. So I'm constantly syncing documents from from when I'm writing at work when I have the chance or writing outside the house to when I'm coming to the house so mm -hmm. those kind of tools are important I think for the for the full-time writer but, but probably someone even like a housewife who just mm -hmm. has to take care of the kids and she's got to learn how to flex you know she's got to squeeze in some writing at the you know at, at their at the nap time she's got to squeeze in some writing when the kids are next door or whatever oh, sure. the case you know what I'm saying so yep. it kind of is one of those things where you got to play it by ear your own health your own style style of writing and things like that so but that was a really huge lesson for me I can't really express how uh, serious of an issue that was for me personally to kind of it kind of put writing in perspective for me mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying like mm -hmm. uh, that I'm not, I'm not going to kill myself to get the second book out. Sure. sure. No, and I, I think that's the, the, I mean, I don't, you know, usually have a theme for each interview, but the theme of know thyself is really important. That's obviously yeah. come up many times um, is yeah, it's not worth it. I think there is some bad advice out there. I think, you know, it's like, well, if you don't write 40 books this year, you're not going to be, you know, um, but I think also the indie world has given us some freedom to, to not be stressed out and to say, you know, I don't have this pressure from a, you know, publisher and all that. Um, to say, I don't have to write today if I don't want to. Um, and yeah, I, and I think that that's a good point. I want to make sure that mm -hmm. your listeners understand that I'm really, I'm really up on, I'm really high on indie, the indie publishing. I really, you know, I'm so glad I'm doing it. And actually indie publishing has given me more of a freedom to it, to respect myself and my schedule. Sure. And, you know, traditional publishing, now, it would be nice to be, you know, to go with traditional publishing. But, yep. uh, you know, indie publishing has allowed me to kind of flex with what I'm doing, where I'm going, what I'm writing, what I'm feeling and, you know, where I want to go. So right. I really like it. So I'm not down on it. If oh, no. I don't want to. Yeah. Get yeah. Well, and it'd be different, too, if they're I mean, I'm assuming your, your, your advance wasn't a million dollars, you know, where you have a year to just, you know, take your time and, you know, not be stressed out. But obviously, that's not the case. So. Um, you know, that's, that's the story people don't hear is like even, you know, traditionally published people, you know, you're, Stephen King and those people are getting millions of dollars, but the average mid-lister is not. Um, and you know, they still have full-time jobs and all that and the stress of trying to write a second book or third book or whatever. Um, 
No, I think that that's really important. And, you know, and I would say, Mike, like you're, you are pro- prolific, um, you know, last four or five, six years. I mean, you've written eight plus things and, you know, you're all over the place. And, and it's funny because there's a lot of authors that can't even say that. I mean, they can't say I've even written, you know, they wrote one, you know, write one, two books and, you know, think they're going to, going to make it, but like at a nice pace, you know, just putting in the time, you'll be amazed what you can produce. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize. It's, it's not about typing fast and it's not about, you know, if I could just get my, you know, learn how to do dictation, then I could, you know, crack the code, but it's just, you know, in the seasons and the cracks of your life, just adding words to the page. And, and you're, it's amazing how much that adds up over time. Um, yeah, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Wow, I have a whole book." You know, that, that would definitely be one piece of advice I'd give to like your listeners who are like newer authors and things like that. Is you know, uh, uh, you know, slow and steady does win the race. Mm-hmm. It, it can win the race, and the best thing for a new writer is to not not dream. You know, again, I don't want to say don't, you know don't dream big, but kind of set yourself a reasonable goal. And do whatever you do to get to that goal. You know, this idea of writing something is like, I've been working on this this novel of mine for five years. No, no. I mean, at some point, give yourself your own personal deadline. Get it done, good or bad. Get it done. And those kind of things, you know, if you can set those little landmarks in your own personal writing life, like I need to get a short story done or I need to get a book done or I need to get a novel done or a novelette or whatever, Mm -hmm. set yourself some reasonable goals and work towards them. Work towards them to the best of your ability. Whatever you know, uh, the tools are at your disposal. Work towards them, and at some point, you'll be able to look back and say, "Hey, I actually have written two things, or three things, or I've been published four times." It's, mm-hmm. And really, in a lot of ways, that's the way I look at my own life. It's like, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I've actually written eight, you know, published pieces. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like, um, it, and it really is a pro- just a process of kind of setting a goal, working towards it, and you know, and, and staying true to it. So, yeah, I think that's great advice. Really good. I mean, just, you're just kind of chipping away, you know, just one little yeah. goal at a time, but, but you're right. I, I don't, I hate hearing, you know, f- f- 10 years I've been working on this, you know, urban fantasy, <laughs> this, you know, Tol- Tolkien ripoff. I'm just like, please just finish the book. I don't want to hear about it anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, um, and yeah, and I think coming back, you know, full circle, I think knowing thyself, knowing the season of life you're in, you know, maybe you have more time, maybe you have less time. So you're going to say, well, hey, I only have three lunches a week to write, you know, that I can write an hour over lunch every week for three t- three slots. Well, wh- what would your goal be to finish that book, you know, with those three hours a week, you know? Um, and, and and it is amazing how much you can accomplish, you know? I, I think it, there is still this kind of, you know, this idea that, well, if I'm, you know, I've got to be young and i got to be in peak, you know, shape and all that. But but again, just plodding along, it's it, it does add up quickly. Um, well, I'm neither young nor in peak shape. So <laughs> right. <laughs> well, hey, Mike, um, really appreciate you coming on on the show, and uh, yeah, share a lot of great tips and advice, and sharing your story, and um, you know, really uh, just excited for you. I, I know you've been writing a lot of new stuff, and and still plodding along, and that's great. Uh, any anything else you want to kind of leave? Um, I mean, one thing is where. Uh, where people can find you, find your books and your writing and blog and everything. And then, um, yeah, any other tips, advice you want to leave with uh, the audience? Or maybe you could leave leave us with just one kind of big lesson you've learned the last you know few years of your career. 
Mm-hmm. You know what? I've I've learned so much from uh, the writing community in general. It really is important. I mean, I think a lot of us writers are loners by nature. I mean, you're alone with your thoughts. You're. I mean, there's no one there by your side to kind of think through a character arc or a thing like this, or just the struggles that you face, just getting something on paper and then looking at it and saying, man, this is junk and feeling the depression stuff. And then, then even once you get stuff published and having a bad review come in or stuff like that. So it is important to have a writing community around you. You know, it really is to, important to get to know other writers, uh, listen to their struggles, hopes and dreams, and the failures, accomplishments, and celebrate each other's accomplishments. I mean, that's a huge, huge thing. I mean, we, we, we really should be able to celebrate another writer's accomplishments. Yes, there's going to be jealousy sometimes, and boy, you know, this or that. But mm-hmm. the idea of being able to stay in community with other other writers along the path is incredibly, incredibly important. So that's why I like, you know, podcasts like this. I do listen to writing podcasts, and I think it's it's just interesting. I am fascinating. Listen, I'm fascinated listening to other writers and stuff, and that gives, you know, that helps kindle the fire in me and helps me keep going. Mm-hmm. So that would be the the piece of advice or encouragement is that you know there's other travelers on this journey. Mm-hmm. Please hang out with some of them. You know, walk by side by side by some of them. Listen to their advice and use what you can, and 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 you know, keep going forward and stuff like that. So, great advice. Yeah, I mean, isn't that interesting how you listen to all these different people and everyone has a different way of doing things? I mean, you just you know, there's not just one one way to skin a cat, as they say. So. Absolutely. And, you know, you find, too, that a lot of, like, even real established writers are, I mean, guys, just listen to the Jim Butcher, an interview with Jim Butcher, who does the Dresden Files, you know, the other day, and it's like, dude, just sounds like a regular guy, just a down-to-earth guy, you know, and so if it's so, I think writers are, you know, most of most of the writers I know are real approachable, we want to talk, we yeah. like to share ideas, and we like to listen, and, yeah. and I think we enjoy, you know, writers enjoy listening to other people's stories as well, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm fascinated by other mm-hmm. people's stories, you know, so, yeah, so it's, it's a fun thing. Uh, people can contact me, Ryan, probably mm-hmm. the best place is for uh, them just go to my website, which is MikeDuran.com. That's D-U-R-A-N. And from there, there's kind of links to social media stuff, you know, Facebook mm-hmm. and Twitter and things like that, Instagram. And so I, I try to stay pretty active on those. I mm-hmm. had to cut back on my blogging, you know, for some of the exact reasons we've talked about. It sure. just, you know, yeah. interferes with writing. But I'm keeping it, you know, I'm still keeping it going and keeping it in, in the game there, so. Well, definitely, if you're listening, check out Mike's uh, website. He's got a lot of great stuff, a lot of good insight on a lot of different subjects. And, uh, yeah, check out his books. There's a bunch of them, so you'll enjoy them. I know I have. So, hey, thanks, Mike. I really appreciate you taking the time. And, uh, yeah, I hope we can uh, chat again sometime soon. All right. Sounds good, Ryan. Thank you for the interview. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thanks for stopping by the Prolific Writer Podcast. Please leave a review on iTunes so we can help more writers share their stories with the world and head over to rockhousepublishing.com for books, resources and other writing and publishing tips. See you next time.